on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket, he'll fire to the right side, caught by Diggs, stay up, oh my god, oh my god, 30, no way, touchdown, are you kidding me, it's a Minneapolis miracle, all right, all right, all right, we are back in for another edition of the Scolders Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Brad Marco, with me for this quarantine edition. Uh, it's Mike Anderson. Mike, how are we doing tonight? You know, all things considered, I'm doing all right. That's good. That's good to hear. It's good to hear you're, you're keeping you're keeping up the, the high spirits. Um, we might have to adjust the, the intro there. Um, I don't know if we can if we can stomach having dicks in there every yeah every time we roll this show. I don't know. Yeah, we might have to uh, we might have to tweak it. You know. That's okay. We teams change. It's you know it's 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 an evolution. You know that's that's what happens in life. Things change. You need to you need to change with it, right, Mike? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, so, with that note, I guess let's let's just jump in because we haven't talked since the the playoffs, um, twenty nineteen playoffs. So, we we should probably catch up on what's new with the team, what's going on, so we can kind of inform the the latest happenings of the NFL, which is the NFL draft that just happened this past weekend. Um, so let's just, let's just dive into it. Um, straight out of the gate coaches, we lost Stefanski to Cleveland. He's out there, um, doing his head coaching gig. Seems like he's putting together some good stuff out there. Yeah. Um, Edwards gone. Um, Jerry Gray gone replacements, Gary Kubiak in as offensive coordinator, which I was not expecting. I didn't think he was going to take on that role right. um, again, but I mean, there it is. So kind of continuity there with our offensive uh, pieces that still remain. Um, Patterson and Zimmer co-defensive coordinators. I that will just never sound right. I just don't get it. And then Tom Capers, if if I if I'm remembering correctly, is now a defensive advisor. Yes, yes. So thoughts on all the coaching tree <coughs> changes here, Mike? Well, I, there's some other ancillary coaches that changed, but uh, you know the the co-defensive coordinators. I'm immediately if you're an office office fan, I'm immediately uh, remembering the. Oscar, what, what, what ship? What ship doesn't have two yeah. captains? <laughs> um, but I mean, I guess let's start out on the off. You know, or start out with Stefanski. I think um, you know, happy for him. Uh, I think most Absolutely. most likely we we figured that one was going to happen, right? Unless they made a change and got Zimmer out of there. Um, Correct. I think we just didn't. The writing was kind of on the wall. Uh, so uh, happy for him. Um, you know, I, I think. It, He's walking into a difficult situation, right, with uh, with the Browns and the expectations that they had coming into this last season, and and ultimately how they failed with a, a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. They had the, yeah. um, you know, they just had a lot of a lot of situations going on. Um, so it'll be really uh, really interesting to see how he handles that, um, you know. And I think <laughs> Edwards Gray. Um, you know, I I know Edwards been around for uh, quite a while, I believe, right before. Yeah, I think before this year, every single defensive coach had been with Zimmer since the, the yeah. onset. So okay. that's six total years, I believe. Um, and I I don't I don't remember where he went. Um. Yeah, I don't either. You'll have to. You'll have to pull. I'm looking one. it up here in a second. Here, um, go ahead. Uh, but I mean, you know, I think ultimately seeing Kubiak come in. 
Uh, bringing in Dom Capers, a, a guy that you know wore out the welcome in Green Bay, and I think um, a lot of stuff went on in Green Bay, and we're definitely going to have to mention Green Bay a little bit later and how their draft went because that'll be a fun little uh, spiel, but um, I digress. I think bringing Capers in immediately, I was like, what the hell are we doing? But then you read about it, and you know, Green Bay really did draft a lot of strong uh, defensive backs over the years. They just were never able to really never retain them. Retain yeah. um, so I think now you bring him in for a different look, making sure Zimmer's not getting too stale. He's going to be great. We drafted a bunch of defensive backs, as we're going to get to. So I think bringing them in, getting Zimmer to really bring them up, and and you know, retaining them is whatever out of their control mm-hmm. a little bit. But I like the Capers bring in a different view, and I think ultimately what you see here is. The Vikings invested in Zimmer um, and his ideology here, right? You know, having his son come in uh, with Patterson, bringing Kubiak in. I think they put all the chips in. Uh, they really believe in, in that they can make this work. And, you know, whether or not you and I agree with it uh, is one thing. But clearly the Vikings are, are all in. I, I think part of it, too, might say something a little bit to uh, Zimmer's um less reluctant now to kind of seek outside counsel and be like, all right, whatever I'm doing is not, is not getting us there. So who can we bring in to, to just get us some fresh ideas, some kind of fresh um, techniques, some fresh um, plays to really set this team up to the, to the push them over the, the edge that we need to get to. Um, by the way, uh, George Edwards is now the senior defensive assistant for the Dallas Cowboys, I guess. So there's that. Okay. Um, but yeah, so same with you. I think a lot of Vikings fans, you first saw Dom Capers hired as defensive assistant. And you're like, what are we doing? But it makes a lot of sense when you think about it, especially losing Jerry Gray um, to kind of fill in that, that extra little um, piece in the secondary to try to bring up some of these new guys, especially this season where we're only returning, like I think our longest tenure guy is uh, second year in the cornerback room. Um, so there's going to be a lot of upheaval there. There's going to be a lot of growing pains there. So we just got to be patient with that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, coaching staff wise, I, I think, I think we're in a good shape, especially with the offense. If you like to see continue, continue, continuity, <laughs> continuity in the offense. And I think we retain that with Kubiak. I, I think we might get a little bit more bland, but that's not necessarily bad. Right. You can have very effective offenses being bland. What do you, I mean, what are your thoughts on, you know, like I said, the all in on the Zimmer Kubiak, um, you know, do you, A, do you think that's the case and B, and we, you know, we'll talk, touch on this kind of as this off season progresses, but how short is the leash? Um, you know, as we all know, it's been an every other year situation for Zimmer. Some of that, of course, out of his control with the crazy things yeah. that have gone on, but if Minnesota were not to make the playoffs this year, especially with an expanded team, um, does that spell the end? You know, I, I I would say no, just just for the fact of what they did with Kirk Cousins' contract. I mean, I don't think you make that extension um, if you're planning to cut Zimmer go and, and cut like Spielman go like everyone was talking about in the offseason. So I, I think they're committing to this whole package for another couple of years here. Um it just kind of makes sense to me with with kind of what they're doing there. You know, maybe Zim made his case like, okay, we got a lot of guys leaving. Let's see what we can get in here. Let's see if we can get a lot cheaper, a lot hungrier on defense, and and just see how this progresses. We know Kirk Cousins, the guy. Let's get let's get a couple more pieces in here that can uh, make some plays. Let's get more development on that O line and see if we can really push us. Because 
you made it, you know, second run of the playoffs last year, beating a really good team in New Orleans. You had some really good flashes this year, um, this last year. So, I mean, you, I think you just run it back and kind of see see what it what it develops into. But I think he definitely bought himself um, 2020 and 2021, at least in my eyes right now. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, I think as we're going to get to, um, you know, and, and maybe I shouldn't even jump ahead, but a lot – a lot of people really all of a sudden with all the losses, which we're going to talk about from a player standpoint, I think, you know, yourself included, I believe, if I recall some of the tweets initially that, whoa, this is almost, it's not a rebuild, but it's a reset. Um, and maybe you're shifting uh, to the 2021 year for, for an actual Super Bowl run. Now, I think as we're going to talk about here in a moment, uh, maybe the opinions have, have changed a little bit, but um you know, I guess good to hear from you that you think the leash is a little bit longer. I think that's less stressful from a coaching staff. Um, you know, but Zimmer himself, we didn't, did we extend him? Um, not that I'm aware of, but that doesn't necessarily always get reported the same way as like player contracts do. So okay. they're not required to submit those contracts or anything. So a lot of times um, you won't necessarily hear about those until very late. So they could have extended um, both Rick and Zim, I think both Rick and Zim expire after this year. So I don't know exactly what's going on there, but I'd be surprised that if they would go into this season without at least a year extension on top of that. But we'll just have to wait and see. Um, like I said, I don't really know. It's, it's not one of those things that gets reported often. Okay. All right. But coaching is done. Let's move into players, Mike. Biggest one we got. Um, traded Stefan Diggs and a 2027th for the 22nd pick overall, so Buffalo Bills first rounder, a 2025th rounder, a 2026th rounder, and a 2021 fourth rounder. This was a a lot more than I thought that we'd actually get for Stefan Diggs. So I am I'm ecstatic with this haul. Obviously Stefan Diggs is a baller. He's a, a very good wide receiver. I think he's in that top five, top ten range. Um but if he doesn't want to be here, if it's really not working out, if he doesn't want the role that he's in, you try to get the best you can, and this is what we got, and we'll touch on the draft, but I think we got a really good player in that 22nd pick, and three more picks to boot on that. So, Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's bittersweet, right? It's a, it's a win-win. Um, it's hard for me because of the, the, you know, as you heard in our opener, the the miracle play, the Minneapolis miracle, I think the, the top sports moment uh, for me and my, um, you know, unfortunate uh, longevity as a Minnesota Vikings and Minnesota mm-hmm. sports fan. But, um, you know, he, Diggs was my favorite player. I mean, I think I've made it known over the, the last year or two that, um, you know, I was frustrated we didn't pass more, much less get him the ball more. It felt like he was off it, uh, open. Um, often you could see it a lot and I know some of that is scheme. Some of that is cousins just not having the time, but, um, there were frustrations there and I, I really still didn't believe we were going to trade him, but if you get an offer like that, um, you know, that's the only way you can pull the trigger. So I would agree with you. I think Minnesota did well in the trade. You know, you saw a few days before that, the, um, DeAndre Hopkins trade, which, you know, was comical, uh, in hindsight, I think it was like David Johnson for Hopkins almost <laughs> pretty much, uh, yeah, straight up. So that, that was hilarious to me that, that whole trade, that was hilarious. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I wish Diggs the best. Um, obviously, 
Uh, it's over in the AFC now, Buffalo, and, and that division looks a little different with Tom Brady moving over to New England. But, um, yeah, it's going to be he, – he's got some big shoes to fill, obviously. Uh, as we'll get to, we address that immediately in the draft. But um, certainly a, a huge loss for this team going into next year. Yeah, um, I, I think you said it. It's it's a huge loss, and, you know, you pick up the, the rookie wide receiver um, on the back end of that, but – who knows what's going to happen there. We're obviously thin at wide receiver, and relying on a rookie is not necessarily the best thing. But it can be. You can have a rookie that absolutely pops off. So we're going to that a little bit later. Our secondary has been absolutely decimated by free agency. Okay, you got Xavier Rhodes going to the Colts for $3 million. All right, This is where it gets crazy to me. Wayne's going to the Bengals for $14 million. Absolutely insane payday. Cannot fault him for that. Mackenzie Alexander going to the Bengals for $4 million. Who would have thought Mackenzie Alexander was going to get more than Xavier Rhodes in free agency? If you honestly said yes, I, I think you're lying to yourself there. Um, Sandejo going to the Browns for two two point two, um, whatever. He's on the tail end of his career anyway. Jaron Curse two million to the Lions. He clearly doesn't want to be here due to his Twitter interactions. If you if you've seen any yeah. of those, yeah, um, clearly does not want to be here. So that is. These are six guys, five guys, <clears throat> that have all had significant playing time over the last year. I mean, Xavier and Waynes and Mack are all starting players. Dejo's good enough to start safety, and Curse can be played anywhere on the field. Um, that's half our secondary right there. That's out the door. Uh, yeah, it is. Now, as we're going to get to here in a moment, to me, you know, what didn't you expect? Because you're right, we... We, Xavier was going to be gone, right? We knew that. Um, curse, you could read that through the timeline that that probably wasn't going to happen. Yep. Uh, you know, I think Mackenzie Alexander was a was a bit of a surprise for me, especially with the number that he signed for and kind of where we're at with the cap. Um, Trey Wayne's no chance in hell you're going to pay that much money no. at all. Good for him, but no way. Not a um, chance the Vikings are playing that at all. Right. And then you've got, you know, Deho, uh, you probably... You know, you probably, with Harris being franchised um, and knowing you're going to have Harrison Harris, at least for the time being, um, I think it makes sense that they move on for him. You know, he did fill in all right last year. Uh, not shocked. Linval, cap casually. You kind of saw that one on the fall, uh, on the wall as well with some of the upcoming talent that we saw emerge on the defensive line last year. Yep. Um, and, you know, Weatherly got a nice payday where, uh, again, I, I just don't think we were ever going to be in the, the ballpark there. Uh, Josh Klein, you know, I don't, I think Josh Klein was a huge one for me. Um, yeah, that's, so I don't understand why we cut Josh Klein. We didn't save that much in cap space. I thought he did pretty well given the circumstances last year. So I didn't, I didn't really understand why we made that move. It still doesn't, still doesn't make any damn sense to me. I, it doesn't add up to me either. I would say that one is the, Number one move that I do not understand. Now, I know there's a lot of people that are saying maybe we are about to re-sign him. Um, you know, there's a fair amount of Vikings Twitter that thought maybe this week he would be, we would actually uh, re-sign. And maybe that happens. But I still don't really understand the move because yeah. the number was pretty friendly, right? Like three and a half million or something along those lines? It, it was definitely low enough to where if you're looking for low-hanging fruit on, on cap... Um cap numbers you're not even touching that one you don't even care about that one so it's a little bit baffling to me um i think you touched on linville correct uh linville yeah just i yeah. just kind of said it, it cap casually um yeah same thing out there we, we were going to pay him i think he was due like 
12 or something million, something like that. Um, so, yeah, it's just there's big upheaval in defense here. There's one, two, well, two offensive guys that are gone, but this defense is completely reshaped. It, it is, but again, you know, like Curse, uh, you know, you had, you had guys that were hurt at the end of the year, right? You, well, Xavier didn't play great. Um, you know, you had, uh, I believe, Mac and Curse not playing that much. Deho, you know, again, so you lost, a, you lost a fair amount from a body standpoint, but I, I just, I'm not sure that I'm buying into we're going to see that much of a drop-off because some of these guys weren't even playing that well, in my opinion. And I think I understand what you're saying there. I think um, down the stretch, I think Waynes was probably the best corner we had. Oh, yeah, um, right. Like I said, Mac was injured often, so I definitely agree. I think the secondary took a huge step back, and I think the defensive line, if you get younger and you get some production out of the guys that we bring in to replace Linval, like Pierce, I think you're going to see a boost in the defensive line production overall. Now, you got that other end spot that's a little bit bare without Griffin, but Griffin hasn't signed in yet, so I'm still not closing that door. That's still a high possibility in my mind that... It gets closer to the season. He still doesn't find the money that he's looking for, and he says, "Okay, fine. I'll just do one-year deal with Minnesota again. We'll we'll see if we can hit some more money in the next uh, the next round." So I I don't know. It's but it, it's exciting to me to see this because you see some of the guys we drafted, and you just look at it and like, "All right, it, this is going to be a little bit of growing pains." But the thing with rookies are they're rookies. They also have huge upside. Where if if they just go out and they ball out and they just don't care because they don't know enough to care yet, you can see a rookie pop off like. 10 interceptions in a season. What, where are we at right now, you know, kind of post-draft and knowing we didn't bring in Richardson and some of these moves that have happened? I mean, is there a little bit of space still to bring in um, a few players, you know, in that, that mid-level range? Or uh, I guess is that maybe you don't have that information at your fingertips either, but... Um, let me bring up here. So cap space right now we're twelve point three. That does not account for any rookies. That does not account for um, the the other two contracts that have to be under, and that does not account for practice squad. Um, all of that we're probably going to be sitting at about seven million that we could spend on a player six seven million. So you could bring in a reasonably priced vet or a couple of really cheap ones. Um, so there's still some room there to bring in a guy, and this this is before you even look at you know. If Ezra Cleveland starts to ball out and you think that you can cut Radley Reef effectively and still be okay, you save $8.8 million there. Um, this is also Anthony Harris hasn't signed his franchise tag yet. So if he doesn't sign that, that's another 11.4 that that frees up on the books. This is before a possible restructure of Harrison Smith, one that I've pinged as like one of the prime candidates to restructure and extend and say, okay, here's your best contract with the Vikings. We're going to give you some more guaranteed money. We're going to spread your cap it out get some more money back so we can kind of move some stuff around. So there's a lot of things you can do here. Also, Pat Elfline, if one of these interior guys shows out ahead of Pat Elfline, you can cut him and save $2.1 million on the cap. So there's a lot that we can have that we can move and create some some space if we want to bring in some some veteran out there that uh, we think can improve one of these spots that we're, that we're light on. What what about what are your thoughts on the Anthony Harris situation? Um, I know he's got the tender out there. Uh, do you? I mean, how do you see this shaking out? Because personally, I'd like to see him just you know extend that for maybe three years, lower that cap hit this year, um, you know, and, and kind of lock up that safety tandem. Uh, I I was going to be okay if they would have traded him 
but you know that hasn't happened yet. So I just don't know if I see that happening now uh, this year. I think the deadline is somewhere along July. I think to negotiate a contract with that. Um, I completely understand why he's not signing it because the second he signs it, he has absolutely no leverage at all in that situation. So I understand why he's not signing that. Um, I think I think I'm with you there. I think with so much else going on with the secondary, with the cornerbacks um, having just this massive influx of young players, having that safety duel that you can count on, that can be the erasers in the back end, that can you know help out if they get into trouble. I think that's valuable. And if he's already on the books for this money, and we don't necessarily need it for anything pressing right now, I think like you said, you look at a three-year extension. You structured in a way that gets him paid now, that gets him paid what he thinks he's worth, and in a way where you can cut him next year if you need the cap space back, um, and some of these younger guys filter up, and it could be it could be a team friendly deal for that three year mark that you, that you mentioned. So I, I I would like that. I don't know if if you know Anthony Harris is up for that. Okay, well I mean it, it's something to watch. I mean. I just there, there, it seems unfinished is maybe the best way that I yep. can. Um, I just I really like what they did in the draft, and I think as we're going to get to some of the positivity going forward, but the it just it seems a little bit unfinished to me with where things are sitting. So um, whether that be through some restructures or extensions, I just I think there's more to come. Oh, definitely agree, and it's it's not uncommon for. Um, Rick to wait until draft is over till the camps start to start to work on some of these deals and say, okay, you know, Harrison Smith, we love what you're doing. We're going to reward you a little bit. We're going to extend your contract, give you some guaranteed money. And then you set that contract aside. Okay, that's dealt with, you know, and then we'll look at, okay, Anthony Harris, what is it going to take to get you in here to, to, to sign a couple more years, stick with the team, stick with them. What's it going to take? Anything we can do. And if there's nothing we can do, okay, well then let's rescind the tag and let you go off and, and do what you want to do. So I, I think some of that's coming. It just kind of depends, especially in this season now with uh, the whole uh, lockdown stuff of what is this offseason actually going to look like? Is that is that going to actually be in person this, this offseason? So it's going to be very interesting to see how that breaks down. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm i excited to see, you know, again, how this kind of rounds out. But I think right now you've got to have a lot of uh, – you know, even with all the losses we just went through, um, as we touch on a couple additions here in a moment, um, I think there's reason for optimism, not only for the short term, but also for kind of that, you know, you never want to say long term in the NFL, unless apparently you're Green Bay and you're planning from like five, six years from now. Right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that that long term to me is is maybe the two to four years out, you know, basically looking ahead of next year. Um, I think they've really got some pieces uh, on the roster that we can continue to contend and build around uh, right. as we go. Yeah, absolutely. Especially on, on the O line, you look at it. You have <clears throat> you have Garrett Bradbury, who you just drafted last year. We'll get we'll get into in a second here with Ezra Cleveland. You just drafted. You drafted Brian O'Neill two years ago, who turned out to be an absolute stud at the right tackle position. Um, and some of these later round picks um, in in guard positions that you're hoping turn out to be. Uh, starters in the league and efficient starters so like you said you look at this you just see this youth movement coming up and, and, and replacing some of these guys who haven't been the best in the position and it's it's exciting time it's exciting like 
you have a note here. Why so much negativity? Um, I, I think it's just people are afraid of change. But right now, yeah. this is a huge opportunity for this team to get younger, to get cheaper, to get better. Because um, you knew what the the previous set of guys were capable of. You knew what their ceiling was at, at the point we had them. You knew where they were at, and you saw that they were on the decline. And then now you get all these fresh guys. You're like, we don't know what these guys are yet. Maybe there's a couple all pros here. Maybe there's a couple hall of famers here. You yeah. No, I I mean I get I get that, and and I wanna I wanna finish up the additions before you know we get into that negativity piece. But I think you know ultimately what I look at is is. I just went over how some of those guys really weren't playing impact football for us at the end of last season and into the playoffs. And this is a team that went into New Orleans and won a road playoff game in a very difficult situation, uh, a game that nobody gave us a chance in. You know, the Saints were one of the favorites to win a Super Bowl. And so to me, when you lose, yes, you're losing names that have been around for a while, but you know, they won a very difficult football game without a lot of those players impacting in a substantial way. Uh, so to me, that's where I think you believe in the coaching. You believe a little bit in the, the reload, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we'll touch on this after maybe the draft and the, and the additions. But that's kind of where I'm at, you know. Yep, exactly. I'm with you there. Um, anything else then before we get into the draft? More additions here? Tajay Sharp? Uh, no, I mean, what? The big ones? Tajay Sharp, I think a lot of people like. He was kind of... Yep. Uh, uh, buried a little bit in, I believe, Tennessee, where they've got um, uh, A.J. Brown and, and um, uh, Corey, uh, can't think of his right now, but uh, not Corey Coleman, but um, it'll come to me. Corey something. It, it, I think he played for Fleck at, uh, in... Uh, then you should know this guy. What, what's wrong with you, Mike? Well, not at, not at Minnesota before he moved over here. Mm. Um Anyways, Corey Davis, Corey Davis. Uh, anyways, there's they got they had some receiving options there, um, and then obviously it's a team that pounded the ball with Derrick Henry. So um, Sharp made some nice catches, and I think he's coming here on a pretty cheap deal. Cheap deal yep. provides a little bit of depth, and then I think Pierce is the other big one, right? Um, the the, the Linval replacement. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So um, I know Pierce has been excited. He's got a he's a big social media presence. Uh, so he seems like he's pretty excited to be here and, and ready to rock. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's good to have that piece. To hopefully, slot in there like Linval was and, and just show out uh, the way Linval did when he first came here. And hopefully, we can get some of that back because the last couple of years with Linval, he hasn't been quite as dominant as we need him to be, as that money needs him to be, to be as effective as as we've seen it in the past. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think it, it it depends on you know how you gauge the success of that line, right? Um, and everyone does it a little bit differently. Are you are you big into the run stoppage? Are you bring, are you big into guys staying home? Um, you know, getting the sacks and racking up the numbers. Like um, I, I think in the past, you always the Jared Allen and prior to that the stray hands. Like you just you you gauge based on sacks and through all of these new like pro football focus and the different grading systems and everything uh you realize that there are other ways to be uh, really successful as a lineman right. um on both sides of the ball but uh yeah i mean I, I guess i feel good about pierce coming in i believe we got a little you know you get a little younger than linball um and what did he sign like a 3 year deal 3 year yep 3 year yeah so probably be around 
um, for a little bit. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm not worried about the line, I guess, is, is the big thing. I know they wanted to add some depth on the defensive line, and they did with, I believe, picks, as we'll get into, I want to say five, five and six, something like that. might have been four and five. five Maybe it's five and six. Five and six, yep. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, let's maybe let's hop into the draft and we'll we'll get to them here in a moment. All right, before we get into the draft, let's take a quick, uh, quick little break here for a message from our supporters. We'll see you right back in a second. And we are back talking about the 2020 NFL Draft. Um, <clears throat> Vikings had a, a pretty, pretty damn solid draft, if I if I may say so myself. I think this is one of Rick's masterpieces. Um, I think if you looked at, I think the 2015 draft, was it? That, like, everyone just became an all-pro that he picked. I think this has a high chance to be in that tier of draft. Um, I mean, a lot of picks went as I expected, but you look at who we got at 22. Justin Jefferson, I think one of the top wide receivers in this class. Honestly, it's such a tight grouping at the top, this first five or so wide receivers. I'm ecstatic that we got this kid. Yeah, I mean, this was, uh, those of you that, that follow me on Twitter, this was the guy that I wanted. This was my top target um, going in probably from about a month out, uh, just reading on the different receivers and wanting a receiver at, you know, either 22 or 25. And you pretty much knew that that Ruggs, Judy, and CeeDee Lamb were going to be gone. Um, now, CD Lamb got pretty damn close to us having a shot at yeah, him. Yeah, I was I was um, surprised that he was that that close. Uh, and if Dallas hadn't taken him, I, I think I sent the tweet out like you. If I was Minnesota, I was getting on the phone with Miami and doing whatever it took to move from twenty two to uh, I think it was eighteen that he got picked. And you know, it it just I don't know, it didn't didn't happen. But um, you knew Philadelphia was interested in a receiver. They ended up taking. Um, was it Rager? Uh, I think. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really understand why they took Rager, but whatever. That's that's the Eagles. Yeah, and so Jefferson was there. I was jacked. The pick happened. I screamed in joy. Um, you know, it really hasn't happened that way too often. Where a player you want on the offensive side of the ball is who you get. I got the jersey ordered. I'm on already, board. huh? Now, let me tell you, there is a bit of a concern oh, really? because the only time I've ever ordered a jersey immediately after Christian the draft Potter, no, shut up. Was, no, was no. Christian Potter. No, no, we're not we're not talking about that, Mike. We're not talking about that anymore. Okay. Um But yeah, it's uh I, I'm ecstatic. I mean Jefferson, a uh, little bit about him. I think he had hundred and eleven catches in an explosive LSU offense. Yes. Um a team that I think beat seven top ten teams. He's plays against top competition. Um, really kind of a, a two-star recruit that really established himself over the, you know, his, his sophomore and junior years. Um, just, I, I think the, the, it, he fits in perfectly, right? I know some people are concerned that, oh, he's a slot guy. And now we've got Thielen and him both playing slot, but it, it sounds like they're confident that, um, you know, they're going to be able to move him around and, and, uh, I, I have a lot of high hopes, man. I, I love the pick. Well, let's, let's not also forget that Thielen can operate just as well on the outside as he can on the slot. He's he's that prolific with what he's able to do. So I wouldn't be that concerned with, with Thielen being primar- primarily slot in the last couple of years because Diggs was there. Um, I, I think you're stacking a couple of very versatile wide receivers in Thielen and Jefferson now. Um, it's going to be exciting to watch this kid develop just – just buckle up and enjoy the ride because this could be a special player. 
Yep. No, I, I mean, I hope you're right. Uh, I think it's, it's you know, now he does come in with some expectations, obviously. Uh, I think, you know, everyone keeps being reminiscent of when we traded Moss and proceeded to draft. Uh, Shut up. The... Nope, we're not talking about that, Mike. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, but, yeah, I think uh, I, I'm really excited for Jefferson to come in. So yep. uh, high hopes and... You know, it's 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 a replacement for Diggs, and let's hope that he can, you know, fill a fraction of those shoes. Absolutely. I think if he gets to 80% of that, we're happy. Um, so our next pick, the 25th pick, we decided to trade to San Francisco. Okay, we got back a 31st pick, a 4th rounder, and a 5th rounder. All right. Then they selected... Um, Brandon Ayuk, which apparently this is run on wide receiver, so they must have been very scared they weren't going to get anyone. Um, and we got our guy anyway. I, I'm pretty sure we were targeting Gladney at 25, and then this trade happens and we get him anyway at 31 and pick up a couple extra picks. I mean, that that to me is a masterful trade. Masterful yeah. trade. You, you, you do that, you do that, and then with that extra pick, the extra two picks, you get DJ Wonham. Uh, D-end out of South Carolina, and K.J. Osborne, wide receiver out of Miami. So you turn that one pick into a cornerback, a defensive end, and a wide receiver, all of whom should have a good shot to make an impact on this team. Yeah, it's a great trade. I mean, Rick added again, uh, as, of course, we will see happened even more so as yes. we move down. Um, but, yeah, I love the trade. I think that they... Uh, I think you're right. I think if they would have been forced to pick at 25, Gladney's probably the guy. And uh, how great does it feel to move back and, and, and still get him? And you want to know what? Even at 25, if you take Gladney, I am ecstatic with that pick. This is just superior icing on the cake. Like, yep. mm, Just cannot like this trade enough. Um, <laughs> it's just so, so delicious, Mike. Um, then we go into round two, which it was surprising. A lot of the mock drafts that I saw recently had us taking... Um, Ezra Cleveland in the first round, but here we get him at 58 in the second round. We stay put, no trades there. Um, athletic guy, one of those tackles that can get out and move in that zone that zone scheme. You pair him with your Brian O'Neill. Um, hopefully, you'll have your bookends for a good while to come. Um, it's going to be exciting to see what this line can do if Ezra Cleveland starts um, in place of Riley Reef. Look out because this is going to get this can get really funky really quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think Cleveland is a is a guy that uh, fit the scheme. Um, I believe Flip, uh, our guy Flip, had him as a, a target in the first round at 25. Yep. Um, so to pick him up at 58 is great. Uh, he was, uh, I think, a consensus top top eight ish maybe um, uh, offensive tackle on on most boards. And I think when you consider the scheme, it's even higher than that for Minnesota now. Um, you can kind of go out and, and find two different paths. One that, you know, he might be able to step in right away and, and make an impact. And another, um, there's a fair amount of people that think it's it's going to be a little bit more of a project. It's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, but keep in mind, you know, Brian O'Neill wasn't necessarily someone that you plan to have come in right away. And due to certain circumstances, right. he did. And we've never looked back. Um, so you never know uh, what could happen there. But regardless, you have to absolutely love the value uh, of the pick at 58 when you had some people calling for that as a potential pick at 25. Absolutely. So you look at there, you, you just addressed three of your top needs in your first three picks, and you picked up extra capital. I mean, 
already right here. If you stop the draft right here, I am I am a happy man. We got some good picks there. We got some good players. And then we go on and we get Cameron Dantzler, um, cornerback for Mississippi State, who you look at the tape on this guy, and this guy's got a nose for the ball. This guy's going to be fun to watch in the NFL if he, if he develops into what, you know, even a little bit of what you see on this tape. Yeah, uh, again, absolutely love the pick. Um, I think a lot of people said Dantzler is is a Zimmer type Zimmer type corner. Um, you you listen to Zim talk about it and, or talk about him on on some of the post draft interviews, and and he you can just tell he was passionate. He really likes this kid, so um, excited for him to come in. Uh, that's someone I think that you talk about maybe having a bit of an unknown where guys can emerge in camp. You had it with uh, like Holton Hill. You know, obviously a little bit of a, or a lot of bit of um, a later picker, even undrafted, I think maybe Holton Hill was, uh, but he came into camp and started to turn some heads, right? Um, so I think you, you look for Dantzler to be a guy that maybe doesn't have the expectation of, you know, being right there from the get-go, but maybe, you know, maybe he'll turn some heads right, right away and uh, be more of an impact player early on. As we know, he certainly has an opportunity with everything that's been lost yeah, at his position. It, it's going to be open competition at, at a lot of those corner spots, so I wouldn't be surprised if you see some of these guys show out and uh, get some significant playing time this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how this whole offseason develops with the secondary. Um, yeah. Like, we got Trader Rick at it again. Trader Rick yeah. at it again. Comp pick 105, which we got from Sheldon Richardson, trades to New Orleans, who traded basically the rest of their draft. A fourth, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh round pick. They ended up picking Adam Troutman, the tight end. Uh, but, I mean, I looked at that trade and I'm like, okay, we traded a 105, fine, whatever. And then I looked at the composition and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, that's highway robbery and I love it. Yeah. And I'll take it all day long. From this, we get our D tackle, James Lynch. We get another cornerback, Harrison Hand out of Temple, who a lot of people say there's a lot of upside to that guy. We get another offensive tackle, Blake Brandell, out of Oregon State, and we get a quarterback, Nate Staley, out of Iowa, who I've seen a lot of good things about him too. So you get four impact players from a comp pick that you got from Sheldon Richardson. Yeah. Uh, I mean, (laughs) initially when I'm listening, we're all listening to the draft. We know all the capital we already had. Um, It it was, And this, of course, happened at, I think, 11.30 at night uh, on Friday night. And I'm all excited to make that, finally make that other pick, and we traded away. So I think there was a bit of a, oh, you got to be kidding. But then you see the (laughs) haul, and you just, you had to love it. Um, So, yeah, just just racking up some more picks, you know, trying to fill in um, some of the the holes that we lost. So, yeah, I I think it's it's an A-plus trade. At at this point, um, we had made four picks in the the 2020 NFL draft. And we had 13 coming up on day three. 13! Like, holy hell! <laughs> we had a chance yeah. to pick 17 picks in this draft, which is absolutely insane. Ended up with yeah. 15, which is still absolutely insane. But, I mean, day one or two of this draft, I don't think anyone can place a grade other than A on this draft. This, just those first two rounds, doesn't matter what happens with the rest of it, that's a solid draft to fill your holes. And then you get... 11 other swings at it that we ended up taking. We ended up trading with Chicago to get a fourth-round pick next year. Um, and then we ended up trading with Baltimore to get a fifth-round pick next year. I mean, any other of these guys that are really standing out to you that we want to mention? 
Uh, well, I mean, just first off, I think you're right, right? It's it's uh, almost unanimously you're seeing grades anywhere from A plus to A minus is is almost where every single analyst has yeah. fall. Um, I think maybe Evan Silva had us at a B plus, but then when you looked at his overall rankings, he only had I think maybe one team that actually got an A. So you know maybe someone that's just a little bit more stringent type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that was the Cowboys who. Um, had quite the explosive draft themselves, but um, the one you know, if if I'm gonna nitpick, all right, and you know it's a podcast, so why not? After we made that trade with New Orleans coming into day three, Ben Barch was still available, um, and it's a player that I really, really had a lot of interest in. Um, he, you know, the, the St. John, so a local guy. Um, you know, offensive tackle. I thought he fit the mold and was going to be available going into that third day. And we had so much, so many picks uh, that I thought maybe they would move up and get him. He ended up going, I think, a pick or two right in front of us. Um, obviously, I think I, like most people, have still have some concerns over that offensive line. Yep. So that would be the one area, the one spot where I thought you had a chance to go get a guy, uh, but maybe they didn't like him. Maybe they didn't think, you know. They're obviously, you know, smarter than than you and I at this thing. Um, But that would be the one nitpick. Otherwise, everyone else, uh, nothing really jumps out at me yet. I think, uh, love the value that they got when you look at the comparison of where players were picked and where they were ranked across the board on a lot of big boards. Usually, Minnesota is finding value. Um, So, yeah, I love the draft. I think you nailed it. We gained some picks for next year as well. Um, I think they did a a hell of a job. A-plus for me. It just just to, just to look ahead to 2021 draft because I, I figured this out as we were working through this um, with the comp picks added in, which right now we can only assume they're not they're not released, but we have a pretty good idea what's going to get. We're going to get a third for Wayne's. We're going to get a sixth for Mac. We traded with the Bills. We got a fourth for them. We got a fourth from um, Chicago. We got a fifth from uh, Baltimore. So we have 12 picks right now in the 2021 draft as it sits right now. That's insane. Like. Right now, if if you were the Wolves and were on the edge about whether or not to extend Rick Spielman, I think this draft right here says, yes, you extend him and you give him at least two more years because that 2021 draft, that's going to be a huge infusion of talent. Um, whatever you're able to gain out of this 2020 draft, I mean, you're just going to build on that in 2021 and you're going to see a completely new team in 2021 that's going to be young, it's, it's going to be competitive. And it's, it's, it's going to be exciting for Vikings fans. So even if this year doesn't go the way we want it to, 2021 is a year to watch out for because we have a lot of capital to move around in 2021. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think it's it's tough as a football fan to, to talk, to bypass a year and talk about it. But um, I agree with you. They're, they're in a great spot. Uh, I think Rick has continued to do an excellent job. Uh, you know, obviously – Early on, you might have had a few a few misses, but um, over the last handful of years, man, he's been he's been money, uh, especially in those early rounds and getting players that have been impactful. So uh, I'm with you. I think he he should be here. Uh, you know, a lot of times you hear that he's tied directly to Zimmer, and I've never really I've never really loved that. Right? Um, I know you see that from time to time where coachings are tied to GMs, and sometimes they just need a change. But if a if he's coming in and constantly drafting players that are performing and, and you know doing the things that the likes of Barr, Kendricks, and, and some of these guys are, uh, you know, I, I just don't see how you don't keep him around. 
Yeah, and that's 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 it for me too. It's I just don't, I just can't fathom a world where you don't give a guy that's this adept at the draft that a front office that's this adept at putting contracts together. Like you looked at this this twenty twenty season, the contract situation, and you're like, we can't afford anyone. But then you look at it and you you bring in Pierce, you you extend Cousins to make some room there. All these moves that you've done, you now have. Uh, flexibility to go and get a couple guys to fill in the last little bits you need. Um, they're just so adept to the draft and moving around, getting capital, taking a shotgun approach to this. Obviously, 15 picks in this in this draft. If that's not a shotgun approach, I don't know what is. And you just see what hits. You trust your coaches. You trust them to develop. And out of this, like you're going to get three to five quality players out of this that are going to be starters within one or two years. That's just the numbers of it, right? So... I'm with you there. I don't see how you can tie Zimmer to Spielman. I think Spielman transcends that whole coaching thing where he's going to get another shot at a coach if Zimmer somehow doesn't work out this year. Yep, I'm with you on that for sure. Um, Last notes to close out here, Mike. What what else we got here that we want to touch on? Well, I mean, again, did you feel – was it just me? Or, I mean, I thought even within our group, um, you know, within the climb in the pocket – uh, network and and um, you know flip even the the most positive guy in the world you know giving me a hard time for not being positive last year and, and kind of converting <laughs> me over to um, just being positive all the time yeah. and, and all of a sudden we lost him after all these guys went and I think there was a certain move that really flipped him but uh, now he's come back a little bit I believe after the draft uh, but everyone else like they're just. I felt like in in our greater podcast group um, and Vikings fandom across that as these players were leaving, it was the end of the world and we weren't going to be competitive this year. And I just, again, when I look at the game they went and won in the playoffs and, you know, were somewhat competitive, certainly more than Green Bay was for at least the first half of a game against San Francisco, uh, you know, you had a team that for the most part collectively is going to be returning. Um, I just, I didn't, I didn't necessarily understand why we fell so far from the optimism and positivity of a playoff team a few months prior. Yeah, I think, like I said, the only thing I can think that, that explains that is, you know, that whole mentality of, you know, people hating change and not understanding or not being comfortable with the change. Because you look at, on the defense, there is a lot of changing. Everson Griffin's gone. Uh, Linville Joseph, a guy who you've counted on the last four years, is gone. You look at the secondary, Waynes is gone, Mack is gone, um, Curse is gone, Xavier is gone. All these guys are gone that you've, you're used to relying on. And I think the fan base as a whole might have a little bit of um, amnesia when it comes to the, the most recent years of, of their play, especially with Xavier. You look at people still defending Xavier's play, and it's like, no, he's fallen off the last two years quite, quite clearly. Um, so I think... From the standpoint of, if you actually look deep enough, I agree with you 100%. These guys were not performing well. They were not the reasons why we were winning the games we were, especially in the playoffs. Like, half these guys were hurt in the playoffs, right? So, I, I'm with you. I, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about. There's a lot to be excited about. And feel the way you want to feel about Kirk Cousins. He's a consistent piece that you know what he's going to get from him. You surround him with some weapons. You protect him better. You get the defense just get him a couple more opportunities. You get these young guys in here that like to ball hawk. Just roll with it, man. It's like I said, it's gonna be it's gonna be some some tough times, but 
I swear there's going to be some games where you're just you're going to be loving these these draft picks that we've just picked up here, and you're going to be excited to be a Vikings fan, even even thinking that uh, in this last season that this team was going to be a bag of crap. You're going to well, be surprised. And, I, and I, I think you look at going into the draft, one of the casinos put out the win-loss line or win totals, and Minnesota was at 9, Green Bay was at 8.5. You know, Green Bay, that, that was a game away from a Super Bowl. Um, game away from a Super probably, Bowl that had three more wins than us? Yeah, and now Vegas is viewing, at least one of the sports books, is viewing us as a half of a game better. And that was before the draft, where Green Bay, I don't know, had Lafleur's kid making the pick, or I'm not really sure what was happening. They had a random generator, but... Regardless, Minnesota kills the draft. Green Bay fails the draft by all accounts, and you know, I, I just it's it's kind of crazy how on a week to week, month to month basis, there's just so much change in how you feel about uh, a team, you know, at any given point in time. And and uh, I guess I should know that and know that you know there'll be optimism as we get to camp and it ramps up and we start hearing about some of these rookies making a name for themselves, but. Um, I don't know. It just I, I hadn't seen that February March downswing in Vikings fandom in, in quite some time. And I think part of that might be because we we've typically returned so many guys. It's like okay, well everything is the same except we've added this piece. So so maybe that's maybe that's what's really feeding that more is this is the first time we've ever had a mass exodus of of pieces. So <clears throat> it, it's an exciting time though for sure. But I wanted to touch on the the Green Bay draft because. To me, it's kind of hilarious. They traded up to grab QB Jordan Love. Why? <laughs> why did they trade up, or why did they take Love? Yes. Yeah. I guarantee. I, I, I guarantee you, Love would have been there at thirty. Guaranteed. <laughs> when I saw them trading up, I'm like, okay, you're gonna go grab a wide receiver. Nope. Then do that. The- they didn't take a wide receiver, which is in the- also flabbergasting to me. No, but but they got a running back, Mike. Oh, and then God. and then they got a tight end after that. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 it was also pretty fun watching uh, watching friend of the the podcast Jimmy try to defend Jordan Lovepick. Mike, what? No, you don't. Okay. <laughs> no, sorry. Green Bay Packers yeah, got worse in the draft. Let's just put it that way. Well, and I think it's it's weird because they appear to be justifying it that they want to be ready to rock and gain that extra year of control over love. But if you're thinking about four years from now, I just I don't understand when you're a win away from a Super Bowl and a team that won, you know, I don't know, 11, 12 games this year. I don't know. I just I can't imagine that I would like that as a fan. And I've talked to the you know, unfortunately, I am fan or friends with a fair amount of Green Bay fans, and none of them lo- like the draft. I mean, nobody, nobody likes the draft. So it just it makes no sense. Well, and what doesn't add up to me is that all of those guys are owners, you know. And you would think that if all of these owners that live throughout the greater Midwest. We're giving their input for the draft picks. You right. know, why did the team not do what ownership said? I just I don't understand it. I just I just wait. But what if that ownership means nothing, Mike? No, I'm constantly told that it means something. Oh. 
Are, are you sure on that? Because I'm pretty sure that's, it means nothing. That's I've been told otherwise. Okay, gotcha. So the ownership means something, but you have no control over what the team does. So what does it mean? It means you've got a really expensive piece of paper framed in your... Uh, Probably garage, let's be honest, for most of those Wisconsin yeah, fans. Yeah, yeah, let's be fair. Well, do they have garages? I don't I don't know. We digress. We digress, Mike. But to wrap up, Vikings had a phenomenal draft. Um, yeah. I, I don't think there's anything to be mad at with this draft. I think all the picks uh, were spot on, um, especially in the front half, which is what you're really, what you're really concerned about. You know, half the guys at the back I've never heard of before, whatever. So I'm, I'm going to trust the scouts on that. But I'm happy with it. I'm excited to see these guys get into camp. Hopefully there will be a camp enough for um, us to get a good look at some of these guys. But, man, it's I'm excited. I'm excited for 2020 football right now. Um, just excited, man. It, it's it's going to be a good year of Vikings football. Well, and I think maybe we, we end on this, you know, where how do you feel going in because i think for me it's i'm excited and i think that's maybe the one word you can use but i think it's also really difficult right now to kind of pinpoint or gauge exactly where we sit um there's a fair amount of fair amount of maybe extensions or or contract the contracts that are going to be um you know restructured uh, obviously potentially a few more free agents coming in and I just think it's difficult to really pinpoint, oh, this is a Super Bowl contending team. I think that they're close to, to a team that, hey, if things go right, they could. Right. Um, very excited, obviously, for 2021. I think you nailed that. But I do believe this is a team with a few more tweaks and, and um, you know, a little bit of luck on their side, which you obviously need, <clears throat> uh, that could be in contention, you know, especially in the NFC. And I, I think I would agree with that 100%. I think the upside of this team is very high. You hit on some of these guys, they 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 pop off. Like if you have Justin Jefferson that just pops off, has an amazing year in offense, uh, that's exciting. You see, if Jeff Gladney comes in and just absolutely balls out, um, that'll be great. If for whatever reason Ezra Ezra Cleveland either wins the job or ends up being put on service and just crushes it, that's going to make that unit move so much more effectively. So there's a lot of upside here that you can look at and say, okay. Like you said, if, if a lot of things go right, I think you're going to be golden. Um, the concerns I have right now are guard position on offensive line. I think right now all we have is guys that haven't started, and you have Pat Elfline who, let's be fair, really hasn't started either. Um, he hasn't been that great as a guard. So what I want to see is I want to see us bring in a veteran guard, whether that's bring Klein back, whether that's you know some of these other guys that are starting to get released and kind of shuffled around. We need to beef up that position, but other than that, I think we're ready to roll with what we have. Um, and then the rest of it is just housekeeping of, you know, the contract situations and, and making all that work. Um, so I, I think we're ready to go. And I, I think, like you, like you said, 2021 is extremely exciting to me, but 2020 has a ton of upside. You get some stuff go your way. You get some bounces go your way in the playoffs. You never know. I mean, this is the NFL. Anything can happen. I mean – you can have the one-year flash in the pan. Jacksonville Jaguars make the AFC Championship game and then next year be complete crap. Yeah, I mean, and obviously we know it's early to talk um, to talk Super Bowl chances and, and things of that nature, but 
Um, I, I think that there is a lot of optimism and excitement coming off the draft, and, and I think that's a good thing, right? It's step one, uh, and you know this fan base has been hungry for, for us to kill a draft. What, I mean, when's the last time you ever remember nationally Minnesota being unanimously the, the top, almost unanimously, I should say, you know, being graded as one of the best drafts. Um, I think I'm not sure I, I recall that. I think you know? I think 2015, but I don't think when that first happened, I don't think we were called right a great draft. So, so yeah, and, and and obviously we know it doesn't mean anything, right? No. We still have to see these players pan out. Um, you you, you, know, you you could win free agency in the draft all you want, but if you're not winning in October, November, December, and then January, February, it, nothing none of it matters, right? Right. Yeah, so um, I guess, you know, leave it at that, optimistic, a uh, few more pieces maybe to bring in, uh, you know, if we can restructure a, a couple other guys, I think you've got room to maybe bring in one or two impact players, and at that point, you know, assuming we can stay healthy, I think I'm ready to see this team rock. Uh, one last piece I'd like to throw at you, um, currently with, with quarantine and, and, and COVID, everything going on with that. Um, the possibility that the NFL would play games, you know, not in front of fans. And I, I know Cousins uh, had a couple comments that, you know, people, of course, took and ran with. But <clears throat> of course, how do you think how do you think that'll impact? Because you are taking away the, the home field advantage to a degree or, or a substantial degree. Right. Because there's no fans. So it's almost they're just going out and playing football. Um, and to me, that's just, it's been fascinating to think about. It's of course not anything that I want to have happen, but, um, I think it, it almost levels the playing field a lot more, um, you know, for, for many teams that might not have been in contention. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting to me because you look at what, what comes into home field advantage, right? So first and foremost is obviously the noise. So you look at, you know, U.S. Bank Stadium, that's a loud stadium, uh, Saints Stadium, that's a loud stadium. You take that away. That's a huge, huge factor that they no longer have. Communication is now 100% as you usually have in practice with those <clears throat> offensive players, right? So, obviously, a huge bonus there. But to me, you look at some of the cold weather teams, now they get a huge boost because they still have that cold element on their side. So, now you might see some of those teams like Buffalo start to win some of those games like that because, hey, that's still a huge edge. And you still get the advantage of not having to uh, deal with the away team's crowd when you're doing that. So, yeah, I think I think it does level a lot of the playing field. I think there's still some advantages to be had by some teams. But that would be just extremely weird. And I wonder, I would wonder if after the first couple weeks of the NFL playing those games without crowds, if they would actually artificially put on crowd noise. Because I think to the fan listening at home, if you don't hear any cheers or whatever with what's going on, that is extremely awkward. Well, yeah, I think you'd almost have to have some sort of like uh, a really dull white noise in the background. Right? Yeah. You have to have something going on. But um, it's interesting to think about how that would all play out if, you know, because if you just, you know, without actually putting some thought into it, you're like, oh, yeah, they just put the cameras up. They have the play by play guys. But you don't realize how dead quiet that would sound when yeah. you're watching it, you know? It would be it would be eerily quiet, and I don't think anyone really realizes how eerily quiet that will be on a broadcast. But maybe that's an opportunity to steal something from the XFL where they have, you know, the the communications feed that they can pump right to the broadcast. That would be interesting if instead of crowd noise they said, okay, let's just listen into the communications. Yeah, 
That, and I mean, you you might be onto something there, getting a little bit more of the behind the scenes look. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's there's an opportunity there for sure. If you can't get crowd noise, what else do you fill that time with? Um, as long as it's not booger, I'm fine with whatever the fuck they want to fill their time with. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Well, it's, I had to turn it off ESPN after a while because Booger was just, oh my gosh. Anyway, we digress, Mike. We digress. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting time here. I think all sports is going to be very interesting for the next year or two while this uh, whole thing gets sorted. But um, th- this this was nice to have last weekend, to have some normalcy in sports where this was... The only difference here was they couldn't go on some of the visits, but you saw the combine happen regularly. You saw the the last college football season happen regularly. So this was about as normal as you're going to get for uh, a sporting event, really, um, was this draft. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy times, man. Let's hope that, I don't know, uh, vaccine or other things end up happening sooner than later and we can get back to normal. Yeah. Let's, let's all hope for that. Um, hoping everyone out there listening is staying safe. Uh, hope hope you're all healthy. Um, but you know, just get excited, Vikings fans. It's going to be a good year. Um, no matter how much football we get this year, let's just enjoy it. Let's enjoy this off season as much as we can. And uh, you know, let's just get ready for this, Mike. Let's just get ready for this because it's going to be here before we know it. Yeah, um, and I think you know one last thing too. Uh, keep checking out. You know, uh, the climbing the pocket, Daily Norseman. Um, you know, we've really that it's starting to grow. The we've got more content, more contributors. Uh, they're really killing it right now. Um, so I think you know, while you're in quarantine, I think you're seeing more more time to listen to podcasts, to read some articles, and uh, you know, Ed, you nailed it. We're just going to be ramping up from here. So yep. if you've got ideas about podcasts you would want to hear, um, I know. Uh, we've thrown out, you know, a few ideas where whether that be watching some, uh, maybe the Minneapolis Miracle game or something like that, and doing kind of a, a, a podcast reaction to it. But give us some ideas, things you'd want us to do one on. Um, you know, we've got some time before uh, things start to kind of ramp up in the summer. Um, so yeah, we're here, and uh, we want to want to be pushing out the content that you want to hear. Absolutely. Um, with that, Mike, that's it. That's it. That's all for the show. We'll see you next time, boys and girls. All right. All right. Skull. Skull.